Feels good. All right. So we so when Brian moved in, he had a lawnmower and I had a lawnmower. You know, because we were adults with our own homes and properties. What? So we had two lawnmowers. I still don't have a lawnmower. <laughs> then you're that's a that's like next level adulting. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so the and neighbor. The neighbor had like a really shitty lawnmower. Like he would crank it and he would keep mow one strip and it would die. And then you have to oh crank gosh. it and like mow another strip and it would die. Had one of those, yeah. It was like <laughs> so bad. So we were like, one day we were like, do you want one of our lawnmowers? Like we don't need them. Like you can have it. And you would have thought that like we gave this man $10,000. He was so thankful. <laughs> and now. He's like, every week I spend eight hours. And now my <laughs> your lawn. lawn too? Yes. So now every for now for like two years he's mowed our lawn and I'm like I feel so bad I don't know how to mow a lawn I owned a lawnmower what I don't know and how you to bought mow a lawnmower it. I don't know I just here here you literally straight line and then back literally <laughs> line I just never did back. it I've never if just turned like it on sled pushes it's like a sled push <laughs> like I've just keep going holy shit. <laughs> I don't know. Well, well, now it's That's like awesome. Brian works weird hours, so he doesn't mow it. Exercise. And so it just looks like we're lazy and our neighbor constantly mows our lawn. And <laughs> I feel so bad. Oh, Brian like, literally tried lazy, to pay him and he wouldn't take it. Use it. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I, I'm like pouring oh, wine and my neighbor's awesome. like mowing the lawn and I'm like, I feel like a piece of shit. I'm just going to get drunk <laughs> off wine while he mows the lawn. What a cute, what a cute neighbor combo. Welcome back to the Health Unfiltered Podcast. My name is Nicole, and I am with my two lovely co-hosts, Ro and Brooke. What's up, y'all? We're back, baby. What's, What's up? We're back. <laughs> <laughs> How is everyone doing? Good. Good. I feel like, like I've already about like heard about y'all's weeks, but you need to, you know, <laughs> give give the people some info. I know, oh, right? Brooks got wine. <laughs> oh, Brooks got wine. A big there girl glass, a y'all. Big old glass. Nice. That's yeah. where the Sunday took us. I got recording. a seltzer, so I feel like I'm using up now. It's lame. You about to get white girl wasted? You got a seltzer. <laughs> I'm still done with well, you just about not liking sparkling water, but here you are with your white claws. They okay. Whoa! <laughs> first of all, not a white claw. We'll get into what I'm drinking in a bit. Second of all, of all, sparkling water is just why. Just have normal fucking water, like just have LaCroix, normal alcohol. Like, oh, it t- well, I don't. I have Corona and this one last can, so I'm, I'm trying just to kidding, just bro. I'm this. not trying to shame you. You do you, boo. Oh, I'm so angry. He's <laughs> like, I'm ready to fight. Also, if you're listening, if you're if you're listening to this and you like Lacroix or bubbly, I have a question for you. Have you ever tried anything else? Because that shit sucks. Okay. Like, when was the last time you tried it, Ro? Like a year ago? Because okay. I was like, oh, well, give this a try again. <laughs> oh, you're going to tell me that after a pandemic, like they changed the formulas? You're like, <laughs> you're right. So they need more flavor. Di- okay. So when we're in person with Ro one day, who knows when that day will be, we're <laughs> going to do a blind 
<laughs> taste testing of all the sparkling waters and see if he likes any of them because there's like 15 oh different companies God. that make it now. First of all, that'll be the most water I've drank in like years. <laughs> He's gonna be like, I'm a hydrated bitch. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's all those memes that came out, I think it was like a year ago, where it, maybe two years ago, I don't know, uh, where it was like LaCroix tastes like somebody was cutting fruits in like the other room <laughs> like <Yeah>. like <laughs> it tastes like static like oh it's God. so true that shit sucks <sighs> i don't want to if you're listening and you love that stuff i'm not trying to you know yuck your we yum, love that stuff bro what about us yum. like you're not yeah, you're not whatever, trying to I don't not care. offend us i don't care about that. Give a shit I, if I, I will you. offend you all all day He's like, but, the only reason i joined this but, podcast was so i could fight y'all every week <laughs> exactly that's my way to check in but you know i know you all will come back but the listeners i don't know so we gotta like you know i gotta be like hey we appreciate you even on the back of my mind i'm like fuck your taste oh my gosh wow okay well you just told them anyway so there you go yeah they're like i respect the honesty though so comment below if you respect the honesty thank you very much Okay, Robo. Well, how about you tell us what you are actually drinking? All right. Well, I'm drinking Get Me Drunk sparkling water, I guess. <laughs> what? Um, well, I think I think this was a couple weeks back. I talked about how I had like a variety pack of marble um, hard seltzer. And I just found this. This is my last one. It's uh, like I said, it's from marble and it's passion fruit. I don't even think I drank this one, this flavor. So, um, Let's see. Let's see how it goes. Let's see. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's underwhelming. I guess <laughs> it literally tastes like somebody just dipped like an orange in it. Like, that's what you get for right. shit talking, Lacroix. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hopefully, messes me up a bit. So <laughs> I but hate those like multi flavors in seltzer, though. Do you know what I mean? 4. Does it have 5. that? Um. Well, this one doesn't, because I mean, is is a passion fruit just one fruit? I really have no idea. I think so. Yeah. Then yeah, but so. when it's like kiwi, lime, citrus, and I'm like, pick one, okay? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, Brooke? I'll probably go grab a Corona because this is. Uh, oh man, I've got uh, Pinot Noir from Oregon that Ooh. I, I even decanted it. I was about to say you can pick it yourself. You know, stomp um, on the grapes. I wish I was that what? cool. What's decanting? It's like when you pour it, it's like this thing with a specific shape that you pour red wine into that, I guess, aerates it. That's That doesn't sound right. Yeah. Yeah. It oh, I think it's aerates it. I think that's it. right, though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it yeah, is yeah. right. Yeah. My yeah. dad, funny story. My dad decanter. used to buy like this bullshit ass wine from, I think, Walmart. <laughs> and he would like, he would open it for like 24 hours before he would drink it. He'd be like, this makes it taste really good. I'm like, you just open it up to make it lose all of its flavor and just yeah, sits yeah, yeah. on the counter for days before it's even palatable. Like, stop buying this um, shit. I mean, yes, you are supposed to like open your wine and let it air out for a minute, but not 24 hours. Right? Yeah. It, it's like the same thing as being like, I aged this steak by leaving it out in the hot sun. And you're like, um, you're yeah. going to throw up. So, Yeah. I mean, I try. I mean, normally I'll open my wine and immediately drink it. But I have heard from the professionals that if you like open it and let it sit for like 30 minutes to an hour, it can like bring out the, the flavors. I know well, that's like time with, for that. with um, like whiskey and stuff. <laughs> if you add like a little bit of water, it like opens it up and hmm. yeah. Okay. That's fair. 
we're we're the pros we know <laughs> yeah <laughs> the health unfiltered podcast what are you drinking coco drinking i'm shit. drinking a beer i got my my big wave golden elegant i tried to find a, a different one but mm. this was the one that was just most appealing so kona brewing well, co i i'm your girl Hit me up. <laughs> Take me to Hawaii, please. Yes, please. <laughs> Sponsored uh, pod vacay. Yeah, that would be oh, sick. sick. And then we just go and try all their beer. Oh my god, we get paid to get fucked. <laughs> Ro up. would literally be like, "I have made it, people. Like, you all, do you see yeah. me?" <laughs> you know how we how we joke, which is not a joke, but maybe is about how like <laughs> I'll never actually use my PhD. If that was it, <laughs> that we could travel and get sponsored to drink, I don't care that I wasted 10 years. Like, yeah. <laughs> At least you got those, the big old brain. <laughs> well, it won't be big old because I'd be like, I'm drunk 99% of the time. So. <laughs> I got my PhD and now I'm a functioning alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> PH drunk is what it would be. Let's mm. go. <laughs> that would be kind of cool to do a traveling series and like we can podcast in a brewery and just drink and they can. Let's just manifest this shit right now. That would be We're going to, so y'all, you hear oh it God. right now on episode whatever, 29. What is this, 29? Yeah, <laughs> we are. Who's counting? <laughs> we are going to travel and do a series one day and we're going to land our ass on a beach somewhere in Hawaii. And you're yes. going to you're going to see it happen. Share share this podcast <laughs> with all your friends. Make our dreams come true. Espe- <laughs> Help <laughs> us manifest. At your mercy. <laughs> Especially if you're listening to this and you own or work in a, a brewing initiative. Well, I'll start small. I'll start local. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, I love my local peeps. Let's go. That would be do sick. It. Um, man, I'm so hyped now. I know. This I was like, that was a great hitting. visual, a visual experience to have together. Add concept professors are like, so what do you plan on doing afterwards? I'm like, uh, drinking. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> my podcast. Like, yeah, everyone goes after. We're gonna travel. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, cheers sweet. to that, y'all. <laughs> yeah, cheers. That's nice. Click. Oh, uh, cool. I'm gonna wow. get into the question of the week. So this question is, I absolutely hate meal prepping, but I feel like I need to do it with a busy schedule. Any advice on how to make it this easier? I got lots of advice. (laughs) Go for it. So I do think, um, you know, I think I've done it all, truly. Like I did the whole Mm -hmm. meal prep, like 36 freaking Tupperwares kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel you. This is a really big task. Uh, I think meal planning is a must no matter what. But I think Mm -hmm. the execution of how you do it is totally up to you what's best for your lifestyle. And I don't think meal prep honestly is realistic for most people. Um, So if you're listening, I just want to like kind of throw two things out. Meal prep versus batch cooking. Meal prep t- typically involves spending a few hours one day, like honestly, it used to take like a whole Sunday when I would do it, and you're preparing all preparing all those meals. I've only had like one sip of wine. Um, <laughs> preparing all those meals for the whole week. Batch cooking kind of involves cooking or preparing a couple different types of food, and generally I do this throughout the week. So instead of I'm going to cook every single meal, it's going to get perfectly portioned into Tupperware for every meal, batch cooking is more like I'm going to cook a whole bunch of rice. I'm going to cook a whole bunch of my chicken thighs. I'm going to cook all these. I'm going to dice things. I always like chop all my berries, make sure everything's washed. I store those. It's just kind of preparing and having things, I mean, prepped in batches. 
Um, so that's kind of how it's different. I don't know if I did a good job explaining that, but I think batch cooking is much more realistic for someone than trying to meal prep and perfectly portion. Um, and then it kind of gives you a little more flexibility so you can mix and match things that I think is better for people than eating, you know, that taste fatigue of just eating the same thing over and over and over again. I know Ro can speak to that with his like bro science days. Love it. Yeah. It gets <laughs> it gets super annoying to just eat the same thing over and over again. So I think it's good to switch it up um, and really just pick what's best for you. Um, I, I think batch cooking personally is a lot easier than meal prepping and then you don't mm-hmm. lose a whole freaking day in the kitchen, you know? Yeah. I yeah. did create a meal planning guide that basically is just a bunch of blank sheets for different ways that you can organize and go through this process about what's easier for you. And it's totally free. Um, if you want to DM me at brookwest underscore RDN, I'll shoot you the link. Um, I also made some videos on how to use it, but it's been a game changer for me because I need to just like plan, have a game plan, but I don't spend a whole day cooking. It's like, okay, I'll just cook a whole bunch of extras when I'm ready to have a dinner and I can eat on it for lunch for the next couple days. And it's a lot more chill than meal prep. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot because I I mean, like you said, I was a meal prepper and I mean, you can only eat fucking chicken and rice for so long before you're like, all right, let me throw light soy sauce on this. Let me throw hot sauce on this. Let me throw mustard on this. And you're like, I'm fucking living the life. Um, (laughs) I, I also do have a, a four-step process. No need to DM me. You'll get it all here. Uh, in the words of Paris Hilton, uh, don't don't be poor. Um, that's step one. Step two is to hire a dual dietitian and cook. Um, step three, n- you never have to meal prep again because you just tell them what you need. Um, and step four is profit. So that's it. You know. Uh, wow. I also am moving into the financial assistance sector. So. Yeah, I just don't be poor. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ro, this is Ro manifesting his dream life. Don't yeah. be poor. Don't, don't be, be poor. poor. Just yeah. be on a beach drinking. <laughs> Keep it up, Ro. Keep that manifestation up. We're trying. But yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with just figuring out what works best for you. And I'm definitely someone that... Like uh, with Brooke, I've done I've done all the meal prep things too, and it just gets really old really fast. So mm-hmm. I typically try to make something that definitely like tastes good and has all like the components I wanted to have to like keep me energized and fueled for whatever's going on that day. Um, but I only like cook it for a couple days at a time, and then I'll cook something else a couple days later just to like continue to have like that switching up of foods and keeping variety and also not getting like super burnt out on anything. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, do you cook every night, Coco? I feel like you do cook a lot though. I definitely do cook a lot just because I haven't like found that like meal prepping situation that works just yet. Um, I think cause I am still in that, like, Oh, uh, that was just like so awful when I did it in college and so I don't want to like feel that again, but yeah, I'll cook like every couple of days at least. And then I definitely try to like prep something for lunch that will last me about like four days. Cause I typically don't like really get burnt out on like, if it's like a really good meal and it's like nutritious and like I said, has all the things I want it to have, I can eat on it for like four days for lunch and I don't really get bored on it. Mm-hmm. And then that leaves like a few days to where I can like do something else. If I want to like get lunch out or whatever. 
And I think people should think outside the box. Like you don't have to do any of these things exclusively. Like maybe lunch is really the weak point where you find Mm -hmm. yourself in a bind. Like just cook lunches or like keep it simple and just cook. When you cook dinner, cook an extra portion and that's your lunch for the next day. Like everyone's different and I would just play with it. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Shout out to my mom for um, cooking the same damn thing growing up almost every day because it just got me used to it. (laughs) But you raised... A healthy child, so I can't be too mad about that. <laughs> She's like, I'm gonna come beat your ass. Yeah. Oh yeah. She'll 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 show up and smack the shit out of me right away. He's so, like, Love oh, you, shit. mom. Thank you so much. <laughs> and then he That's... would just go back to doing whatever he was doing. Like, I yeah, said yeah. I'll be like, all right. Well, the airport is five minutes away, so I'll drive you. You can yell at me the whole time. <laughs> time to Please go. Please get back on the plane. <laughs> uh, yeah, I will say it's funny because I I think I I think we we cook almost every night um and it's just part of you know uh when casey's not at work she'll she'll cook and then the other days where she's at work i'll cook um but you know i'm just a sugar baby at this point so there are times where she's like where's my fucking food and i'm like i'm so sorry I oh my it God. that's like so. at the end of these rows like i really gotta go i really gotta cook dinner no. <laughs> yeah. yes. i'm like i'm like if she shows up and there's not food i will get my ass kicked so i have to <laughs> uh yeah she's like that's the trade-off uh i buy myself a peloton and you still have to cook me dinner and i'm like sweet <laughs> we love to see it we love to see it that's the kind of boss girl i love personally oh yeah she's a bad bitch no gender rolls up true. in this house no, 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 just a power dynamic that I'm unfortunately uh, more often than not at the bottom. <laughs> so, I'm a power bottom. Anyway, so. Oh my gosh! So done. <laughs> Ro loves being on the bottom. Oh, man, <laughs> I like, I like. Uh, yeah, so today's the first time that we're we're batching episodes. So we've rolled into from one into the other, and I think this is going pretty well so far. So. <laughs> We might have to do that more, more often. Yes. We've had our beer. We're like, our we're inhibitions are loose. Yeah, so yeah, it'll be good. Well, I am really excited to get into the podcast topic. Um, Ro is, once again, he's going to have the spotlight, and we are ready to learn from mm. Mr. Rowboat himself. To so today out. we're going to be going over all things energy. That's why I said Ro will be doing most of the talking. Specifically, we're going to be talking about what energy is, how we create energy, how our energy systems play a role together, and how we can train each system. So I'm really excited. You ready to dive into the questions, Robo? Yes, I'm hoping I'm not too many beers into where people are like, that didn't make fucking sense. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what to I mean, you. good <laughs> so. news is none of us really know what any of this means anyway. So we're like, oh, that sounds I'm right. going to try to make it so clear. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Barney it down for us, Ro. Barney it down. I don't want PTSD from Biochem. Uh, well, you exactly. get a little bit. But then I'm telling like, you, like when nice you get to glycolysis, I'm exiting out. Out. <laughs> just mute the whole time. You're like, I'm out. I'm like, Broken Nicole has hung up. <laughs> Nicole has left the chat. I love the chat. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so oh, let's get started. First question. Let's do it. What is energy row and where do we get it from? Ah, yeah. So um <laughs> I think uh part of the reason that 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 we all work together so well is one, like we're great friends. Um, but two, like we, we look at we work on different sides of the spectrum. So you two are obviously nutrition, I'm more exercise. Um, 
and we we know about each other's like respective um areas but to be able to get into like the nitty-gritty of stuff is is great because then we can be like oh well how, how do we make this more efficient um and the reason i bring that up is because like energy comes from food obviously and you all deal with food much more than i do i'm more like are you eating well we can switch some things but i'm not like hey maybe we should add more almonds like that's you guys do a great job at that and my job is more so like how can we utilize that energy that we get but it's from food. Um, but what does that actually mean? Like, we don't just like eat things and it's magically like, oh, I have energy. Um, it's from the process of breaking down food. So I think most of our listeners um, are pretty familiar with macronutrients because that's what's sold online. Like, oh, I can calculate your macros and that'll give you your calories for the day and blah, 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 blah. Um, but like macronutrients are just your carbs, fats, and proteins. And at the end of the day, these get broken down even further uh, to our real energy currency, which is adenosine triphosphate, uh, which is just ATP is a much easier way to say it. So ATP literally runs our life. Anytime we have to think about things, the act of breathing, me moving my arms, here talking, me talking, um, all of that requires energy. And so that's why being fed the right way is so important because if you are lacking energy in all areas of your life, that's why dietitians exist. That's why having two really great professionals like Brooke and Nicole to say, oh, no shit, you feel horrible. You are not, you don't have any gas in the tank. Um, that's is, exactly is like really... how I am, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no shit, you feel horrible um, all the time. Uh but but you know it's 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 so crazy to me that like we 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 eat and we exist right but it's 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 so broken down into into like specific ways that each macronutrient is is broken down so for fats we have lipolysis um and and these are like big words right but really it's lipo meaning like uh lipid which means fats and then lysis which is just to cut so the ability to break down or cut fats um, glycolysis which is glucose or sugar lysis so how we break down carbs and then uh how we utilize protein um, and protein can go through a process called gluconeogenesis which is just gluco again sugar and then neogenesis is to to create so if we're in desperate need of energy protein can be broken down in order to be used as energy but for the most part um protein is used to like you know build muscle build uh uh your bones up to to heal up your organs like it plays a much more constructive role than it does like an energy role um but regardless one thing that i want to stress is whatever we eat however much energy we get whether it's through carbs or fats if you are in a calorie surplus which means if you are eating more than you are burning up, it doesn't matter what nutrient or what macronutrient it is, it will be stored as a lipid. It will be stored as fats. And that's really important to understand because, you know, some people will be like, well, I only eat like salads, you know, and I'm still gaining weight. It's like, but if you're eating 4,000 calories worth of salads, which would be very difficult to do, right? Because salads are 
you had to eat a shit ton of lettuce and a lot it's of kale. A stomachache just <laughs> yeah, thinking know, about right? it, honestly. You're like, you're literally sitting on the toilet just eating eating <laughs> fucking salad. Um, but like, you know, that's why I think a lot of people are like, oh, I eat healthy, but you're still eating a lot of healthy food and more than you're burning. And that's why you're gaining weight, <clears throat> which is a really, really, really amazing process. So let me think about it. You're eating, your body is like, I don't need this right now, so I'm going to store it. And I think this kind of goes back to a lot of stuff Nicole talks about with health at every size because it's literally your body protecting you and being like, we don't know when we're going to eat. So we got to store this just in case. It's just like millennia of just genetic programming to keep us safe and to keep us alive and keep us healthy. Um, and that stuff is, is it's just so fucking cool to me. Um mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, everything gets stored as fat. Um, but it, it's also important to understand that triglycerides or lipids uh, can be stored not only as fat, but within the muscle as intramuscular triglycerides. And sugars or glucose can be stored within the muscles as muscle glycogen. So it's not that like everything we eat that we don't burn automatically turns into fat. But if you are working out and you have a carb-heavy meal the first place that's going is to go and replenish those stores that allow you to do your weightlifting and allow you to do your sprints and whatever. Um, Which is also why we harp on so much about your pre, maybe intra and post workout meals or snacks, because it plays not only a role in getting you through your workout, but setting you up for the next workout or the rest of your day or anything like that. Um, And then you can also store uh, glycogen um, or sugars in the liver. So it's really, it's just really cool to think that like everything we have gets used to its fullest potential um, in the, in the, uh, I guess in the context of keeping us alive, if we were ever in a life or death situation where we don't know when we're going to eat next. Um, so yeah, it's just like that's what energy is. We get it from food. Um and I'll and I'll touch on this later, but everything gets broken down into CO2, water, and ATP, like regardless of what you eat. And it makes sense because how we actually burn fat and how we live is through breathing and then exhaling. And so all of these processes are happening when we're exhaling that CO2, it's just like one of the final products of energy being metabolized. Um, water, obviously, we'll get into that a little later, and then ATP because we need that energy. Um, so yeah, I mean, when you look at like the science of why eating is important <laughs> to keep us alive, uh, it just gets me excited. It's just a really, really cool thing to understand that it's not like magic, but it's very complex processes that keep you alive. Yeah. And I think like this, yeah, this conversation is so interesting because I, even though I was joking earlier, kind of joking about like the PTSD (laughs) that comes with these conversations, because this is very true. Like, I think there can be a lot of misconception with dietitians, but like like, everything that just came out of Rose's mouth came out of our professor's mouths while we were sitting in Mm -hmm. school. Like we learned all of this and it is such like an intricate process and your body is so like smart and there's so many different things going on. And that's why it's so hard when we have conversations with clients that 
they think like you know it's all these like random other details of like oh but like what could I switch this food out with with this food to make it healthier when it's just like when you know this when you know how actual like intricate and like detailed it is behind the scenes that's what like kind of makes that conversation be able to just be like this is why it's not like that crazy important because your body is so smart <laughs> yeah. doing all these other things um so yeah that's super yeah. cool it's also why why i think brooke more often than than nick uh, nicole nick what's up nick um <laughs> where, where we argue about like you know <laughs> And an apple and a rice crispy being the same thing because, like, yes, I, I totally understand that an apple is healthier. It has nutrients and whatever. Mm-hmm. But broken down to its simplest form, a rice crispy and an apple, it's just glucose. And so, like, everything we talk about today when I talk about sugars and glucose, it's re- regardless if it's a fruit or, like, just straight up sugar or a candy, it's all the same process when it comes to this level mm-hmm. and then the glycogen so right. stored in your liver um it's only there like that that storage is only good for like three to four hours right and that's why we say you have to continuously like re- replenish yeah i don't <clears throat> i'm not sure about the the specifics about the timing but it's just like it makes a lot, and we'll talk about this a little later, it makes a lot more sense to store it within the muscle because that's where the site of action is, or that's like where things are happening. So it's much quicker if I am, you know, trying to do bicep curls and I have energy built into my bicep, it's it's right there. As opposed to being like, well, now I have to set up chemical processes to get my liver going. I have to transport it through our uh, veins and arteries to make it to my bicep and and then break it down from there. Um, but yeah, so. Yeah. And there's way the more stored in the muscle too. Like mm-hmm. the capacity of what we have in our, like even with our blood glucose, like there's really not that many <clears> carbs <throat> floating around on hand in our blood. And then mm-hmm. liver would be the next step. And then in our muscle, like you have the capacity to store a lot. And, um, you know, we could get. Well, think about how much muscle you have. Living. You know yeah. what I mean? And if every muscle fiber can hold a certain amount of carbs, like your liver is only so big. Yeah, you know? and there's like a cap yeah. on those and yeah. muscle. But you, kind of but you cool. can grow muscle and mm-hmm. then be like, I have more space now. So, so cool. Man, I'm jacked. Yeah. Already. <laughs> <laughs> I love this stuff. Yeah. So, Ro, when you talk about energy systems, what actually are the systems? Yeah. So, I think um, uh, I like to split up into two categories. And I say it like I like to, but this is how everyone does it. So, uh, there's aerobic and anaerobic. And so what this means is aerobic means with oxygen and anaerobic means without oxygen. And so those that's kind of like where our three systems that most people hear about kind of fall into. So within those two categories, let's talk about like the three um, energy metabolism, uh, I guess, groups. Um, so you have ATP PCR, or some people know it as the phosphagen system or just the PCR system. We have glycolysis, which as we talked about before, and Nicole's like, ah, I see it in her face. Uh, glycolysis, which is just a breakdown Nicole of sugar. 
that's all good. And then oxidative phosphorylation, where um, it's it's more like the <clears throat> the metabolism of of fats, but really like just doing longer duration work. Um, so as as a as a big overview, ATP PCR is all about like speed and power, like live fast, die young. I'm just going to go all out. Uh, and this lasts like 10 to 20, 15, 20 seconds, um, depending on how conditioned you are. Um, and it will diminish fairly quickly. So if someone says, run as fast as you can right now, boom, that's ATP PCR for 10 seconds. Um, oxidative phosphorylation is on the other end of the spectrum. So this is more like your low and slow. Um, what most people think about is like steady state cardio, because what I'm doing is less intense work for a long period uh, of time. And so it's like, we've talked about ATP PCR being like, boom, here it is. And then oxidative phosphorylation being like, oh, well, let's just do work continuously and in the middle of that kind of something that is there to fill the gap is where glycolysis comes in um, and glycolysis really pins up picks up the the brunt of the work from like 20 ish seconds so when we see atp pcr start to die out up until like a minute and a half two minutes where we see more of the oxidative phosphorylation start to pick up. Um, and I like to talk about ATP, PCR, and oxidative phosphorylation being on the ends of the spectrum because glycolysis like really, really is there to like be the intermediary between one system to the other system. So when one is ready to go out, so specifically when the phosphagen system is ready to go out, glyco uh, glycolysis is like, cool, I'll take over until you know, oxidative phosphorylation has to, has to take over. Um, so going back to my two categories of aerobic and anaerobic, uh, aerobic is the oxidative phosphorylation, which makes sense to us, aerobic, cardio, low and slow. Um, and then anaerobic is without oxygen. And then we have ATP PCR. Um, and, and we'll talk about why it doesn't need oxygen a little later. Um, but like, then the question is like, well, where do, where do carbs go? Where, where's glycolysis within this? And glycolysis itself is an anaerobic process because it doesn't really need oxygen, but it kind of does. And we'll, we'll talk about that. I keep saying we'll talk about that later, but it's truth. Um, because all of the intermediary products, so kind of like the, the byproducts of glycolysis, get used later down the line in oxidative phosphorylation. And then also um, oxidative phosphorylation, the oxygen we breathe, which blew my mind when I learned about it and we'll talk about later, is what's pulling glycolysis through. So while ATP PCR, the fast explosiveness, doesn't have to do with oxygen really at all. Uh, and then oxidative phosphorylation does use oxygen which makes it aerobic, glycolysis kind of fits in both of them. Or more specifically, the utilization of carbs fits in the middle, um, which is kind of why it, it acts as that intermediary between the two ends of the spectrum. Mm. Cool. I'm about to message the academy mm. and be like, this podcast should count towards my continuing education. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should get certified. <laughs> Definitely. 
Cool. So you've mentioned ATP, PCR, trying to make me sound real smart right now, glycolysis <laughs> and oxidative phosphorylation. But what exactly are those? Yeah. So I gave like the the overview about, you know, what, what they do, but we're going to kind of get into more of the nitty gritty here. So um, hopefully, hopefully if you're listening, some Talk of this sounds familiar. And then if you, <laughs> if it's new to you, I, I will try to do my best, but please send me questions because I think the, especially as a practitioner, if you're like a, a trainer or a coach of any sort, if you understand energy systems, then it makes, then it makes programming so much easier when you're like, Oh, we have to be able to do this for three minutes. Cool. I know what system this is, blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, like I said, ATP, PCR, speed and power, live fast, die young, 10 to 15 <laughs> seconds-ish. Uh, that's how I live my life. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm a strength athlete. Just burn Gross. me out. He's, <laughs> no cardio. He's trying to see when it, when it, when he croaks. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> yeah. Is uh, this going to be the thing that kills me? Oh, for sure. I hope so. I mean, that'd be a hell of a way to die. Just but do anyway. a Peloton ride. See how that goes. <laughs> I oh I'm gonna crush it. I, I can't wait till I use it more than Casey and she's like, what the fuck? Uh you're gonna be dead anyway, and you're gonna um, have like broken her bike and she's gonna be pissed that you broke her bike. <laughs> and I'll be like, tell the Peloton people this is their fault. Um Yeah, so uh Don't anger let, the sugar mama. No, yeah. Uh yeah, skip forward. I guess it's too late if she's already heard this much. She can't really skip forward, so <laughs> Anyway, love you, Case. So <laughs> going back to our energy currency, um, it's ATP, aden- adenosine triphosphate. And so what this is, is it's just a, a molecule that has an adenosine group, which I'm not a biochemist. If you're listening to this, you don't. it doesn't really matter. But it has three phosphagen or three phosphate groups because it's adenosine triphosphate. Um, and ATP is... is like I said, our currency and the fastest way to make it or the way it's made is uh, in ADP and inorganic phosphate and energy. And this makes sense to us because if adenosine triphosphate is ATP, then adenosine diphosphate is two phosphates. So if I have two phosphates, what do I need to get a third phosphate? An inorganic phosphate, right? So if there's a, a an inorganic phosphate floating around and um, uh, specifically there's a there's a kinase, which doesn't matter, ATPase, um, will bind ADP, so an adenosine diphosphate, an inorganic phosphate, and we'll use energy to make ATP. So if we understand that equation and we know that it's a reversible equation, then as long as I have one or the other, then I can make one or the other. So ATP can be broken down into an ADP, a, an inorganic phosphate, and energy. And then in order to make ATP, you just need those three, three, three things to work together. So now that we know that, right, uh, we can think about what ATP PCR really is. Um, we mentioned that the three macronutrients are fats, carbs, and proteins. But some people like to think about ATP PCR as like our fourth macronutrient, and I'm air quoting here. Um, the problem is is that we can't really store it. Um, phosphocreatine and, and ATP are big molecules, and it just more it makes more sense to to store 
fats and carbs because they're going to give us more energy than ATP itself would. Um, but this is why we also, if someone asks, you know, what supplements work, why well, we tell them creatine works because another way to make ATP is by using the other half of that system, which is PCR, which is phosphocreatine. So phosphocreatine itself is a molecule. And when we can break it apart, we have an inorganic phosphate and then a creatine just by itself. So let's break up those PCRs. And so we have a P and a CR, right? And so if I know that I need more ATP and I've done work, so I have ADP, that means that ADP is flowing around and inorganic phosphate is flowing around because of the PCR being split and that there's energy released from that split. Perfect. So that means that I have the three things I need to make ATP. So with ATP, or in order to make it through this process, we can take that phosphate from the PCR, the energy that was released from breaking it, and then an ADP that's floating around, and then we have more ATP. So that's the quickest way to make ATP, uh, which is great, but that also means that it does not last long, um, which is why that ATP PCR system lasts 10 seconds. There's only so much PCR available to keep ATP up. And then once you've, once you've used, can't say all of it, but once you've used most of it, that's when glycolysis starts to kind of pick up. Um, it's so much easier like if you have like a, a PowerPoint, right? And then hopefully by the time this is out, I will have a video out. Um, but seeing, seeing the, the molecules themselves and like where they split um, makes visualizing it a lot easier. Uh, so that's our ATP PCR system. <laughs> In a nutshell, if you could believe it. Uh, <laughs> next we have, we have glycolysis. Um, and so before Nicole decides to, to mute and run away, um, like I said, this is kind of that intermediary. It lasts from 20-ish seconds. So when that first system is kind of going down, to that like two to three minutes before oxidative picks up. Um, and all this is, is, like we said, is it's a breakdown of sugar, regardless of whether it's Rice Krispies, applesauce, um, it's just sugar. So what we're going to do is is glycolysis in an overview is it's one step, right? Because we're taking sugar and turning it into pyruvate, releasing some energy along the way. But it's like an 11-step process that goes from like... <laughs> This shifting into this, and then a kinase comes through, does energy, that leads to this byproduct, and then it continues. It's a very in-depth process that the three of us had to learn um, that we try to forget, but mm -hmm. life kind of keeps bringing us back mm -hmm. to it for whatever reasons. Um, but through the process of glycolysis, um, we do get ATP released from it. Uh, which is great because then that means if we're doing work, it'll automatically go to being uh, used for work. But we also have um, pyruvate, which is uh, released along with NADH. But the, the main thing there is pyruvate. And in the grand scheme of things, this does not matter, right? If you're listening to it and you're like, do I need to know this? The answer is no, right? <laughs> like this is not going to 
dictate whether you can run a faster mile or not or sprint better. Um, but if you're a practitioner or just like like to learn about the stuff, knowing this is paramount to your understanding of energy metabolism. Um, so like I said, glycolysis will give you some ATP, but it also does cost ATP. So while it gives you like, you know, four ATP because it costs one or two, it really gives you two. So it's not super, um, I don't want to use the word efficient because it is efficient, but it does not give us the most amount of energy, especially when compared to fat, which we'll talk about uh, in a bit. Um, but because, because that process is very quick, it is efficient. That's why carbs are so important. That's why we need them because they're stored within the muscle. They're stored, like we said, within the liver, but not as important, but because they're in the muscle, it's so much quicker to get work done using carbohydrates as opposed to having to cut fat, put it through a whole process send it out through the bloodstream and then hope it gets to whatever working muscle is going on. Um, so glycolysis, burning of sugars or the, the cutting of sugars will give us ATP that automatically gets to work, which is that anaerobic process I was talking about. So it doesn't need oxygen. And then it will give us pyruvate and NADH. So now we move into the aerobic part. Um, and this is this all happens within the mitochondria. And what is the mitochondria? If you're listening, everyone say it with me. The powerhouse of the cell, right? Yes, it's like ever the, since middle school biology. The yeah, powerhouse like of the cell. The only thing you remember. Yeah. Like, I don't know shit about taxes, but the mitochondria is the powerhouse <laughs> of the cell, right? So, like, we have to learn what exactly that means. Like, because you say that and you're like, yeah, whatever, it gives us energy. But, like, how does it give us energy? Um, and it's because the process of oxidative phosphorylation, which is that low and slow, uh, long, continuous work, is fed by this system. So that pyruvate and the NADH uh, that I talked about <clears throat> at the end of glycolysis all gets used in this oxidative phosphorylation. Pyruvate specifically goes through another uh, transformation, I guess is the best way to put it, turns into uh, a molecule called acetyl-CoA, then goes through the Krebs cycle. The Krebs cycle, I think, has nine steps to it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just kind of shifting uh, this molecule into a bunch of different ways to get more NADH, to get FADH, and then to give water off. So from there, now pyruvate is like, essentially no longer a thing. It's been broken down to give us those smaller molecules that act to use electrons. Um, because after that, we get to one of the coolest things that I really think exists, <laughs> which is the electron, the electron transport chain, the oh, ETC, ma. which is like Whoa. fucking mind-boggling. PTSD. <laughs> but, but like it's it's... I don't even like cardio, right? Like, I, I don't enjoy it. I'm doing it a little more, whatever. But, like, when you when you understand the mitochondria, when you understand the electron transport chain and, like, what it actually means when you're moving an electron, which is the size of fucking nothing, right? <laughs> Through this little, like, do-do-do-do, the little processes <clears throat> that give us 
I think it's something like 32 ATP, some large amount of ATP when compared to the, the two or four that glycolysis gives us. It's just, it's crazy so that we have this thing built it, into us. So basically, if you're going to do cardio row, you just need to listen to this podcast back so you can get pumped up. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. And I'm like, like okay. Yeah, be yeah, out yeah. in his living room at 5 a.m. Like, do you understand what's <laughs> happening right now? This is so cool. She's like, go to sleep. And I'm like, no, you do this shit to me every day now. So, uh, yeah, that Peloton, I mean, the, it's going to be the end of our relationship. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 really. It's we should really take like so a awesome. smack count, like how many times seriously backhanded <laughs> like, in the head for gonna, this episode. <laughs> we're gonna like combine all the times Rose has had to be like, "Never mind, I love you. I'm so sorry," and just like that one has to be like other. a whole reel. It's just gonna be like real. smack, smack. smack. We'll, we'll have to do that for like uh, the hundredth episode or something. Like, I love you, love you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Literally, um, it would be like a whole sixty minutes of Rose. Like, I love you, Kizzy. I love you. Just kidding, Kizzy. I mean, love yeah, you, Kizzy. it's like it's like every episode at this point. Yeah. Just once. Um <laughs> Yeah. Uh anyway, uh before before the alcohol hits and I'm like, I don't remember anything actually. Um mm, back to yeah, cardio the, and the, the electron transport chain. Yeah, yeah, So um like why why do we breathe? Is mm. like such a big question. Like there there's my question to you all. Why why do we breathe? To survive, oxygen to provide. Yeah, but like oxygen but to like, our lungs. Okay, but like, why do we need oxygen? Listen, do I, I look like the good question. God above? <laughs> <laughs> no, right? But like, so that this is this is what well, gets I, used. I don't know. It gets used yeah. to transport things. It also gets used and like broken apart to give to other things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So specifically for for energy metabolism and i remember learning this from dr smith who was on episode like six or something um oxygen the oxygen molecule um and specifically it's so naturally oxygen is two paired oxygen so it's o2 um but in our body at the end of oxidative phosphorylation it's half of an o2 so it's a single oxygen it is so electro negative that it is responsible for pulling that entire process of energy from glycolysis through the TCA cycle through the electron transport chain. So we literally breathe for oxygen to come in and just sit at the bottom of the ETC and say, give me this fucking electron. And it just rips it through the entire process. And as it's ripping through, hydrogens are being released and they're creating ATP. And it just and that's why the ETC makes so many more ATP when compared to glycolysis and then ATP PCR. Um, well, mostly glycolysis, uh, because this electron, this one little electron is being pulled so strongly by oxygen that it's every time it like skips over each of those um Oh my god! I can't believe I'm forgetting what they're called. Uh, those sections of the electron transport chain—it's releasing more ATP. And when I learned that, I was like, "Oh, that's why we need oxygen!" Like, that's crazy. That that is the sole reason that we're able to live. You know, you cut off oxygen, you get literally no energy, and then 
like you can be alive for a couple seconds, maybe, maybe a minute or two, but then all that, once all that energy is used, it's over because you don't have the oxygen pulling it through. Um, and I, I wish you could see the video because like my hands are on my face. Cause I'm just like, wow, I'm in shock, <laughs> Amazing. but like, it's been like four years since I've learned this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is still like the coolest fucking thing. Um, and so yeah, that's and why like, it's called, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I totally envision you being the professor that's like so hype that has like the <laughs> tattoo of like the inside of the cell and like the mitochondria <laughs> all over him. Like I had a teacher like that. He was the coolest fucking dude. Kind of had a little crush on the professor, not going to oh, lie. But like I could totally see robing that professor where he's just so fucking hyped oh, about man. this shit. And all his students are just like buried into their phones on Instagram. And he's like, what the fuck's wrong with y'all? It's the powerhouse of the yeah, cell. Yeah. But honestly, like, like if this everyone conversation doesn't like just amp you up to like appreciate all the things that your body does like i don't know what can yeah like truly exactly like that's why we breathe (laughs) yeah like yeah to keep us alive like whatever but like how (laughs) Uh, all these like like super detailed systems like it's not just breathe in breathe out like there's so much shit going on inside of you man yeah thank you I say evolution, if you want to say God, whatever. But for <laughs> like literally putting together this like whole thing that's like, we're going to keep you alive. It's going to be through this very mm-hmm. tight, you know, process from start to begin. From the mm-hmm. second it enters your body to it being released as CO2. Um, yeah, man, I just, it's so cool. It is cool. Uh, anyway, so... Um, yeah, so that that's that's how we use the energy within the oxidative phosphorylation. And so when we think of glycolysis, we know that that um, is about sugars, right? The utilization of sugars, which is which are carbs. Uh, and when we think of oxidative phosphorylation and low and slow, um, generally we think more of like fats. Uh, which would make more sense, right? If I'm doing high intensity work, I'm going to need more carbohydrates. If I'm doing longer runs, maybe it makes more sense to have like fats, right? Um, and and this is why I, I, I wanted to make sure that I didn't say that glycolysis uh, wasn't efficient because it's much more efficient than oxidative phosphorylation. Um, so breaking down carbohydrates is much more efficient than breaking down fats. Even though a carbohydrate, one gram gives, or sorry, yeah, no, one gram gives us four calories or is made up of four calories. And then one gram of fat is made up of nine calories. And so when you look objectively, you're like, well, the fat gives me more energy. It's more than twice as much, right? But because this from the TCA cycle to the ETC to getting pulled by oxygen is a much longer process than glycolysis being essentially one step. That's why it's less efficient. Um, and why we tell you to eat your carbs and not just go on a keto diet because mm. then your ability to perform goes down the shitter. So um, in the garbage. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's, 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 it's really cool. And another thing is I know we've talked about, um, how you store carbohydrates within the muscle and in the liver, um, in the form of glycogen, but like, how, how do we fatigue then? Like, 
how do I fatigue? Like, why why is one system taking over? Um, well, ATP PCR because it's such a fast reaction. There's just enough. There's not enough PCR to keep the ATP up. So now glycolysis is going to take over. How do I fatigue from glycolysis? Like, yeah, some of it is is just like fatigue that comes from um, your acidity buildup. So the enzymes don't go. Uh, they don't work as efficiently, so you're not going to be able to make uh, pyruvate and break down sugars as efficiently. And you can run out of carbohydrates. The really, really cool thing about fat is that it's virtually unlimited because we all we all carry body fat, right? So if we need it, we just keep slicing it off. I need more. I need more. I need more. And if we're in a constant state of either meeting our calories or being over our calories, it's really crazy to think that we will never run out of energy because it will always be supplemented by cutting off fat um, and using that to to kind of give us ATP, um, which is really just cool. Like our bodies are built to survive, mm-hmm. which is so fucking hype. It's like yeah. number one job. Is to keep you alive. That's its only yeah. agenda. Yep, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's this is definitely a very cool conversation, and I can definitely appreciate it more now that I'm not a worn out college student. I mean, I'm still worn out, but <laughs> I'm not it's like a different having, kind of worn out as an adult. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> cool. So, explain how these energy systems work in relation to one another. Is this just like a light switch on and off situation? What's going on? So I think the biggest problem that um, practitioners make and people who are learning it for the first time make is that it's like, you know what, after 10, 15 seconds, now I'm only burning sugars. And if I'm doing longer work, I'm only burning fat. Um, and, and the truth is, is that using Brooke's words, uh, it's, a, it's an ebb and flow, right? Depending on what you're doing mm-hmm. is going to dictate what's being burned first. Um, but even then, like, even if I'm just going for a long run and I'm going to pace myself right away, the first thing that's going to be used because it's the easiest way to do things is that ATP PCR system. Now, because it's not some full-on sprint, it's going to have plenty of time to replenish. Glycolysis is going to take over for just a bit, but it's not going to be the main thing. And then after that two, three minutes where you're just coasting, a lot of it is just oxidative phosphorylation. But that doesn't mean that it's just that it's just that, because there may be times where um, uh, a dog comes by, right? It's chomping at your leg. You got to speed up just a bit. Boom! I've used up that ATP PCR. Now that has to be replenished, so that glycolysis kind of picks up a bit to to replenish that as well. And so it is like any time you decide to kind of step it up a bit, if there's energy within that ATP PCR. That's going to be used first, and then it's going to get resynthesized, even if you're not going uh, full blown right away. And and I think the the easiest way to think about it is it's like a it's like a it's it's a dial um, because intensity dictates your work. It, it's it's not the other way around where like if I have to go 100, percent I can only go so long, but if I'm like, oh, well, uh, I want to go 
you know, for 40 minutes, like, well, then you have to be at a lower intensity. So when we understand that, that kind of helps to also think about what's taking over when, um, how can I train for that? Uh, and then, you know, what specifically am I burning now compared to at a higher or lower um, intensity? So, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the simple answer is that they work beautifully in, in tandem, depending mm-hmm. on what, what it is that you're doing. Super cool. So how would one go about training these different energy systems? If someone wants to be fast, should they never do slow work? Or can you just sprint work and like still get a good aerobic capacity? How does that, <laughs> how does that work? Yeah. Uh, so obviously I, I'm a resistance guy of the way, but I hate to admit it that cardio is is a necessary evil is the best way to put it. Fuck heart health. I don't care about that. Um, but <laughs> I if I have a, <laughs> yeah, Jesus. if I have a wider funnel and specifically the funnel is uh, at the end where that oxygen that I talked about is earlier, if that's wider, then I can pull so much more energy through. Um, and that means I'm going to recover faster. That means I'm going to be able to um, to do work sooner. And so in order for me to, um, uh, I don't want to say compete, but you know, compete or perform at my best, I need to have a really strong base, right? If you have a period, not a period, a pyramid with um, a really shitty base, like how high up can it go? Not very high. But if I have a strong aerobic system, if my oxidative phosphorylation system is built well, then I'm going to be able to recover so much more. And I know that everyone likes to think that like, well, when I'm in the gym, I'm fucking slamming it. The intensity is always high, blah, 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 whatever. You don't lift weight straight for 60 minutes. Like there's, there's no way. You just can't do that unless you're at a super low intensity. So those times where you're resting, oh, look at that. You're at a suboptimal intensity level. So as you are resting, that oxidative phosphorylation is going to pull that process through to allow you to recover faster. So that's like, that's the main thing. And uh, of course, me being a, uh, you know, I was raised in the bro culture where I was like, fuck, I don't do cardio. Like, I don't want to ruin my gains, whatever. You are just being lazy. And if you really want to get better at lifting weights and at expressing power and recovering, you have to do some of that low, slow work. Um, and that's, that's it. Like there's, I'm not saying you have to bike for two hours. That's going to leave a lot of fatigue. There's, there's a lot of nuances about like how much is too much, how little is too little. But if you just walk for a long time or ride your bike for 45 minutes, like that's going to be so much better than not doing anything. And it's going to allow you to lift better. So from the guy who hates cardio, I'm telling you to do more cardio because these things kind of work. Not kind of. They do work in tandem. So there's that. I'm sure that took a lot to say that. <laughs> it I did. It always hurts. I take a moment of you know? silence, you know, for Rose's feelings. For yeah. That one coming out. Yeah. yeah. And and that's that's on, on one side of the spectrum too, right? So let's think about um, – so that was oxidative phosphorylation, but – how do I get my ATP PCR stores better? Um, well, 
that depends on what you mean by better. Do you want to be able to express power better? Or do you want to be able to recover from those things better? And those are two different things. And we we should have a whole podcast on rest times because I, there's I could literally talk for hours about it. Um, but when you are doing high, high intensity work, fatigue is the enemy. So if I need to be able to perform at 90, 95, 100%, then I'm also going to take five to 10 minutes between sets because I need to make sure that everything has resynthesized, that all my ATP PCR stores are, are as tip top as they can be, um, that glycolysis has you know done its thing to also contribute, and that oxidative phosphorylation is like, cool, we're capped, everyone's good, we're all good, let's hit it again. Um, we give a lot of shit to powerlifters, and especially me because I used to be one, but like, yeah, that three to five minutes is good especially on those power days, because you need as much energy as you can. So as a sprinter, right? Let's look at Usain Bolt, right? I have to run once for 10 seconds. What am I going to do? Is it going to be better for me to run for 10 seconds and then wait 5, 10 minutes or run for 10 seconds and try to push myself to recover better and wait two to three minutes? Like, which one to you makes more sense? Are you asking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to class. You're in your Instagram. <laughs> um, I don't know. Brooke, you answer. You got to ask it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was not listening. So if, if I'm specifically looking at uh, power production and running as fast as I can, is it going to be better for me to wait that three to five to 10 minutes or to wait, you know, a minute and a half to three minutes to work on uh, resynthesizing faster. If we're looking at straight power production. So the longer time period. Yeah. And like, I guess this, so when thinking about this, a lot of people or I don't want to say a lot of people, but Sometimes, like in the media and in our society, you see individuals approaching exercise as just a means to burn calories. But like mm-hmm. with this conversation, there's so much more behind the scenes of like, what do you really want to get out of that movement? If you want to be yeah. stronger, if you want to be faster, like these things matter. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is why I was like, oh my God, we have to have a whole episode on rest periods. Yeah. Because so specific to power output, insane power output, or um, one burst of it, right? Fatigue is the enemy. But what if I have to do that multiple times within a competition? Well, then you have to be able to resynthesize faster. So like Olympic weightlifters, right? They go, they lift as much as they can. And then depending on their flight, they may have a minute and a half. They may have five minutes. They may have 10 minutes. So they don't really know. So they have to be able to go really at any point. So for them, it makes more sense to have periods in their programming where they are pushing the rest time. Because if you always train thinking, well, I have 10 minutes, whatever. And then, hey, uh, these three guys bombed out. You're up next. And you're like, what the fuck? It's been a minute and a half. Mm-hmm. Then you're, your body's not prepared. Uh, that doesn't mean you're not going to make it, right? But the chances of you being fully equipped with enough ATP to complete your lift are 
drastically lower. Mm -hmm. And so that's why things like thresholds are are really important to to kind of push. So we have lactate thresholds and then heart rate thresholds. Um, and a heart rate threshold, I think, is easier for people to understand because heart rate monitors are they're on our wrists. We can buy them easier. Like it's all over the place, and I love it. I love that the technology has come a long way. That everyone can be like, "Oh shit, I'm at like 70 right now, and I'm just chilling." That's really high. Um, or if you're like, "Oh, I'm at 70, it's really low compared to what I'm normally doing." Um, but uh, a heart rate threshold is really that. Let's say my max heart rate is 200 beats per minute. Um, and I can do work for days at 150 beats per minute and below, right? So I can just kind of coast. That's my coasting zone. You ask me to do whatever, or you ask me to be on here for hours, I'm smooth sailing. But as soon as I go past that threshold, so I'm at 155, 160, there's no going back down, right? We've passed... A, a threshold uh, that that is just set for us where I can't recover anymore. So now it's going to get a lot higher. It's going to get higher and eventually you'll have to stop. So that means that you're pedaling faster as far as like a, a bike goes because you're demanding more for your heart. Uh, the same thing goes for a lactate threshold. And lactate is just uh, a byproduct of glycolysis. So I talked about how glycolysis leads us to pyruvate. But if our oxidative phosphorylation system is not that great, um, or we're just doing more work than we can handle, then uh, pyruvate turns into, um, or I don't want to say turns into, but uh, becomes lactate. And so lactate then can, can go back up and be turned into glucose again and go through glycolysis so this is what really upsets me when people are like oh i'm uh, i'm sore i'm getting tired because of lactate you know i have lactic acid lactic acid built up in my system and that's the pump or whatever um but lactate is actually a reason why we can keep going because it's used as a buffer it takes up hydrogen ions and we can use it again through glycolysis. So if you're listening to this and you've always said that lactate was, you're sore because there's like lactate buildup or someone tells you to um, roll out because, you know, you're sore from lactate. <laughs> That's not how it works. It's wrong. It's a fundamental misunderstanding of what lactate is. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the lactate threshold is, is works the same way. There's only a certain amount that I can handle. And if there's more than that, then we're going to have a, an exponential increase in lactate, um, which is just uh, another marker of us saying like, holy shit, I am getting very tired. I can't keep doing this anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so when it comes to, and I feel like I've been talking for forever, <laughs> uh, but when it, when it comes to, um, uh, when it comes to how we train for those for those, um, uh, I guess to kind of push our, our lactate threshold a bit further is find out what your threshold is, whether it's heart rate or lactate, let's say it's 150. Then what we can do is some, uh, work where we kind of dip our foot above it and then come back down, dip our foot above it and come back down. And this way, what we're doing is we're pushing our body kind of further out 
and then coming back and then further out and coming back so that we can shift that so that later, if I have to keep going, my body has learned how to continue doing work. Um, and that's why having a high VO2 max doesn't really matter as much because let's say I'm deconditioned, my VO2 max is 45. Brooks VO2 max is 50, right? Everything else is, is equal. We're same kind of runners, whatever. But if her lactate threshold is 70% of that, as soon as she's up there and she's trying to win this race against me, right? As soon as she's up there, it's going to start to spike. But my lactate threshold for some freak reason is 85%. So even though she has a higher VO2 max, she has a bigger capacity to do work because I can hold it longer. I'm going to win the race because I'm going to last longer. And so like, that's why understanding these systems, how they work, how to train them uh, are super important for any athlete because it, it all comes down to, I mean, not all comes down to, right? If you have a lot of skill and you're able to control yourself, like that's a fundamental part of being an athlete and a human. But if my energy system is more developed than yours, then I have a higher capacity to be a better athlete and then beat you on the course, the field, whatever, the platform, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Dang. Crazy. So much info. It's so cool, though. Like, how it's know, it's be... so much more detailed than we really know and understand. So. Yeah. But I, I do have a question then, like, because obviously, like, we've talked about this, but, like, knowing this then, how am I going to fuel for a sport that is more that intermediate where I'm going to use glycolysis and then how should I feel for a longer run or longer bike ride? Well, I think the big thing that I really focus on when I give fueling recommendations is carbohydrate and the amount of carbohydrate. I mm -hmm. think that the macronutrient split matters throughout the day, but when it comes to a free a pre workout fueling plan, I tried to com combine those words there. <laughs> free workout um, fueling plan. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to that, it's more about the amount of carbohydrate in those situations. Yeah, and, I don't and know if so that's what like, you're looking for. But. Yeah, yeah. So, so then my question is like, why? Like, why does that matter if if I'm doing low and slow work and I need like and fats are what does that, why would you give me more carbohydrates? Well, I mean, those are the more that's what your body's know, energy use. efficient systems yeah. in, the, in that situation. So yeah. that's why I always like go to that because like technically you have the fat stores to pull mm -hmm. from and your body can <laughs> use that and that's fine. Um, but I think when it comes to the carbohydrate recommendations, that's kind of why I shift that. And it depends too on like how long, like – when you're mm -hmm. talking people who are doing ultra endurance, it starts to get into like you actually do need a little bit, a tiny bit of fat and protein. So it yeah. kind of also depends like largely on the length of time that you want these energy systems to be like, right, yeah. happy with you. Like there's yeah. a lot that goes into it in that sense. But if you're doing generally less than two hours, like it's it's really just about manipulating carbohydrates in, in the right way. Yeah, which I, I think is so crazy because you're like, yeah, I'm running for a long time, like no when you put it in the context of an ultra marathon where it's literally a hundred miles or like an iron man 
you're not running a lot. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. that's days of running. Um, and I think one of the super cool things about the body is that it can bias whatever you give it. So you're giving me carbohydrates, Brooke. That means I'm going to utilize carbohydrates much quicker and in a more efficient manner, um, which is going to be great for me because even though it's two hours, it's going to allow me to kind of sprint when I need to, kind of pick up the pace when I need to. But if you gave me fats beforehand and just straight ketones or MCT oils, whatever, then I'm going to bias that. And because it's less efficient, I'm not going to be able to kick as well when I need to. I'm not going to be able mm -hmm. to sprint at the end. Um, and so this is why it's so fucking important to deal or to have a coach, uh, someone who knows what the fuck they're talking about. Because yeah, like it, <laughs> also, if you have a ton of fat right beforehand, you will shit yourself in the span oh of two hours. Oh my God, I had someone try to argue like, I have heavy <laughs> That's cream why I brought before it up. a run. I remember. Uh -huh. yeah. No. No, I will fight yeah. you. No, <laughs> try and tell me that you don't shit your pants. Yeah, You're well, it works for me. If you don't. It works no. for me. You're like, okay, okay. no. Also, yeah. like another one that was so cringeworthy is like eating bacon to fuel during an endurance event. I was like, I for what reason? Oh my god, I want to slap you and myself simultaneously. Yeah, well, like think about everything. Everything we've we've talked about, right? So let's say I bias fats now because I had bacon. Right, my body's like, cool, I'm going to start pulling from fat. Well, we do have uh, intramuscular triglycerides, which are just fat stored in the muscle. But even then, it's not as efficient as glucose and glycolysis. So let's assume that we are out of fats then within our muscles. What do we have to do in order to perform if we're still biasing fats or we don't have carbohydrates because we fucking cut them out for some reason break down now protein. what i have to do well break down protein for sure because you're trying to get gluconeogenesis but even if even if that doesn't happen even for like we'll just use fats then what we have to do is we have to send out signals okay adipose tissue we need you to break cool now what i need you to do is to take that lipid take it through the TCA cycle, take it through the electron transport chain. And then from there, send it to the blood, to those muscles, get it into the muscle, and then be used there through ATP. That is so much less efficient than, oh, carbs are in my legs. Cool. I'm going to use the fucking carbs in my legs. <laughs> like, that's it. That, that's it's, it's proximity. And so if if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, wow, that makes so much more sense. Or you're listening to this and you're like, well, my coach always kind of said this. Challenge them. Ask them Ask why. Ask them why. Yeah. yeah. If they don't come and, up with a good why, that you know, then then you have your answer. Yeah. Tell yeah. Them to fire your coach. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And then also, Brooke is open, Nicole's open, and I'm open. No, but like it, <laughs> it is so important, especially if you are like a competitive athlete who is looking for an edge where your diet can, can – Maybe not hurt you, but cannot help you with that extra one, two, five percent that you will need to beat out that person who has everything right or most things right. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, like, as we've talked about this, you're like, oh, that makes more like Rose is a lot of weird shit. I don't think I understood most of it, but 
carbs are good. This is why I need carbs. They're stored quickly. They're more efficient. They're going to help kind of pull, push and pull when they need to. Um, and that's going to help me at my sport. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel like yeah. I just gave a speech. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it was beautiful. It really was. I'm like, dang, uh, I probably would have retained more of this if you had taught me uh, seven years ago or whenever it was. But yeah, I had this old, like, old white dude who like waddled around and he had like really big belly and suspenders and he was like really mean and he didn't leave a good impression. You can go t- teach all the. Um, dietitian professors on how to talk about glycolysis without giving someone ptsd (laughs) (laughs) the problem is no one no one here is checking me and people are like i don't like it stop listening cool but like if my professors were like you're very vulgar when you teach i'm like yeah but the kids listen so it's (laughs) i'm relatable kids love me (laughs) (laughs) no this was awesome bro thank you so much for for breaking all that down and providing us with so much like good info. It was, it was a great refresher for me. And I hope that I definitely learned new things too. So I hope our listeners also got to, got to take it all in and learn. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, if if you have questions, send them my way. Mm -hmm. Um, I know one of the reasons why I really like working with fighters now is because it's like, it's so not textbook. Right. Where if I have a runner who is always going to run 100 meters, cool. That I know nothing changes. Right. It's just 100 meters as fast as you can. I know how to develop this. Uh, For the most part, every other sport has like set ranges. But fighting is just like, hey, man, I might go five minutes straight of high intensity fucking work. And then I might have periods where I'm doing. 15 30 seconds of, of punching in the face and then i'm and then i'm then we're both kind of back like oh let's try and you know do this is this, this um it's such a puzzle it's such mm-hmm. a like how do i how, how do we work on you know this what am i going to work on now and and so if you are like asking yourself like well my sport uses all of these it's not an iron man where i'm just running for 100 miles or it's not a sprint where i'm just running for if you're Usain Bolt, 10 seconds. Um, how how do I do that? How do I mix it? And the answer is like every other strength and conditioning episode we've had is it's specificity. Like, what are you good at? Can you keep that up? Awesome. Don't worry about that. Where are you failing? How are you going to lose this fight? How are you going to lose this race? If it's your inability to keep yourself under a specific threshold, we need to work on that. If it's that any time you do work past three minutes, you are gassed, you have a shitty base, we need to work on that. Um, and so, again, going back to, like, the fighting thing, it's 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 all over the place. And so, like, we have to be like, what's your opponent doing? This is a little chess match. How do we know they're going to do things? Where are you going to lose? You know, stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, if if you are programming for yourself, really, really take time to think about do I need rest or do I need to push it? Um, why? What's that going to do to my sport or what I'm doing here? Um, and then how is that going to pay dividends? Um, and whether you decide to work with me or not, feel free to ask me. Like, There's a bunch of different ways to coach things, but physiology is physiology. And that does not change. So 
Uh, if I can help clear things up, give you a better understanding of how all this works in tandem, please shoot me a message. I clearly love nerding out and talking about this shit. So, <laughs> so yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. And on that note, I mean, if this podcast has not shown you that Ro knows his shit and is our <laughs> exercise and performance guru, I just don't know what will, but <laughs> Ro is taking it's on new clients and you would benefit greatly to work with him. Um, we love, we love our Ro. So definitely go to him if you're, you're having questions in this area or you're wanting some more guidance or help. Um, myself, Nicole, I'm also taking on new clients and I do all things intuitive eating and health at every size, um, using nutrition that is a weight neutral approach to your goals. And Brooke is also a dietitian and she specializes in athletic performance and body recomposition. And she is currently working from a wait list. So you should definitely hop on that and get to work one-on-one with her in the future. If that is something you are looking for, please follow us on at health unfiltered pod on Instagram and keep those awesome questions of the week coming. We love to be able to answer those for you guys and rate us, share us, leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. As Brooke would say, only nice reviews, no mean ones. So <laughs> I am glad that Flash we got to crank out another episode. And we hope to see you all again next week. Um, but yeah, Brooke, you want to you wanna take it away? Cue that motherfucking music. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Peace out, y'all. <laughs>